Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Thursday. Not only is that new unemployment claims, but that also means we've talked with Jonathan Twomley. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. So uh, I trust you saw the new unemployment claims and the continuing claims this morning? Well, I actually heard about them on the radio on the way up here. And we'll talk about why I'm up in upstate New York again in a minute. But I heard them on the radio. So yes, claims, new claims below a million for the first time in months, which is good news. Yeah, 20 weeks. Uh, and, co- and continuing claims dropping a bit. So yep. that's all heading in the right direction. Uh, yet, as we've said before, you know, our perspective has become so skewed that these numbers sound good and they're still really bad, you know, in, in the absolute scheme of things. Uh, but at least it's, at least the trend is in the right direction and it reversed, you know, what we thought we saw happening two weeks ago, the last time I was on, yeah. uh, where we thought that the trend was going in the wrong direction. Um, That's true. So hopefully we will continue to, uh, just to have good news happen. Although, you know, with schools reopening in the fall, it's, I think it's anybody's guess as to where we go from here. So, yeah, I, I'm going to call it generally encouraging news, right? Uh, with the caveat that remember in the great recession, the record was 606 for new unemployment claims and we did 967. Yeah. So it's still 150% worse, but it's, it does break a, tw- a trend of 20 weeks above a million, which yep. is frightening. Yeah. So good news is good news and we'll take it. Yes. Right? Exactly, exactly. So, um, and then the other thing is, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw a business article about small businesses. Uh, They interviewed 2,080 in March and supposedly the same 2,080 in July. Back in March, only 34% of them thought they could survive to the end of the year. Now that's up to 62 or 63%. So almost a double, almost. Oh, really? Yeah. 34 to 63. That's good news too. Yeah. So green shoots, they're, they're figuring it out, right? downing outside. Nobody's going to make any money, right? They're not saying they're going to kill it, but they're, now they're just saying we can survive to the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, well, it's in, good to see that many. Yeah. Good to see that sentiment change. Although, I mean, if 30 some odd percent of our small businesses go out of business, we're in, in deep trouble. So hopefully, oh, sure. hopefully the trend will continue in the right direction and more people will be able to survive. I mean, I, I've seen in my neighborhood, uh, you know, there there have been a couple of places that have announced that they're closing, but at least or just what I see on a day-to-day basis, I see the local restaurants scraping by with, you know, doing deliveries. Now they're, it's the summer, so they can have out, outdoor seating, which yeah. seems quite popular. Yeah. Uh, I'm concerned what happens, though, with, you know, I think they can reasonably do that through, you know, the early fall at least. You know, through October or so, but when yeah. it's cold, uh, you know, I don't know how, uh, I don't know what's going to happen at that point. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a concern for sure, but let's hope the trend continues in the right direction. Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. Good news, trend. We broke a negative trend that was two weeks in the making the last time you were on. So we're going to leave it at that. So why don't we talk about why you're in a hotel room? 
Yeah, so some people who follow me on my email list may know that I was just in the Finger Lakes, which is uh, in upstate New York, where we come every year. And uh, here I am again, uh, just four days after leaving. And <laughs> the, the reason I'm back is because I'm looking at a house up here. And uh, so just by way of background, and I'll bring this into why this is relevant as opposed to just me talking about myself. Um, at, you know, having been cooped up during the lockdown through the spring, um, when we came up here the first time back in July, uh, it was such a refreshing, you know, breath of fresh air to be able to just be outside and go to the state parks and, and do stuff and run around uh, that my wife who had resisted buying a house up here for the last 10 years, suddenly said, uh, let's buy a house. So, uh, so go we, get we, one. Yeah, so we had already planned to come back uh, for a second trip this, in, in August. And when we came up, so our second trip then became a house hunting trip. And what we discovered really unexpectedly was that the, you know, I'd been following the housing market here for the last 10 years. And you know, certainly over the last, uh, you know, six months or so, what I'd been seeing was houses just sitting on the market, not, you know, yeah, they would sell, but I mean, you know, they'd be selling after six months or so. It was kind of a long slog. Mm -hmm. uh, and and some, some properties, you know, I, I saw them uh, go into contract, fall out of contract, you know, go off the market, come back on the market. And it didn't, it looked like, you know, we would have, pretty much our choice of whatever we wanted. Right. Then we got here and found that literally, you know, we would be uh, looking on Trulia, looking and finding a house, go, oh, let's go see this one. Oh, but we can't go see it tomorrow because we have plans with friends. So we'll go see it on Thursday. And then by Thursday, it would be in contract. And <laughs> a little different, huh? Yeah. And it just, so the, the market here has changed dramatically and it's all because of COVID. And, uh, as best I can tell, uh, so what is going on in talking with, uh, with realtors here is that the school, the area, the, the towns up here that have the strong school systems, towns like, like Ithaca, New York, where Cornell is, Shermansburg, which is next to that, a town called Canandaigua, which is kind of, which actually is close enough to Rochester to be a commuting suburb of Rochester, uh, very good schools there. Towns like that are, are seeing this influx of people from New York City, from probably Philadelphia, yeah. from maybe Syracuse, maybe Rochester, places like that. Anywhere where people are looking to get out of you know, more dense areas yeah. into less dense areas, and, and particularly if the schools are, are good there. So it's been quite, you know, we came up here with the expectation that Hey, it'd be really easy to find something. And what we found was kind of like running into a buzzsaw a little wow. bit because, because the, the market has become so tight. Uh, now, fortunately, we have a little flexibility because we don't, we're not looking to move here. We don't really care about the schools. We're just looking for right. a vacation property that we can come up to when we want to escape the city. Uh, so that gives us a little bit more flexibility. But we had originally wanted to to go to Ithaca because Ithaca is a pretty easy drive from New York. I mean, it's four hours, but it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty easy it's, shot yeah. in New York. And, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of life there and a lot going on. And 
so we thought it'd be a good place to have a second house. But uh, that market is, like I said, just hotter than hot, and especially for anything that is turnkey at all, uh, which I think is another interesting thing about the market. It's clearly people who want something now. Like right. they want it fast. They don't want to have to do any work. Uh, and they, they, it's got to be moving ready. So anything that is moving ready is just flying off the shelf. Stuff that needs work is, is sitting on the market a bit. So clearly, you know, that could present an opportunity too for people who want to flip. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we also found though that we, something we didn't anticipate, you know, for us, this is, this is going to be, you know, at least partly an income property for mm. us as well. Uh, you know, at least wanted to pay for itself and rent, you know, be able to rent it out while we're not using it. Uh, but a lot of towns around here have started to pass restrictions mm. against short-term rentals. So for instance, Ithaca has, there are basically no short-term rentals in Ithaca. Mm. They've decided that, uh, you know, they want the housing to be for people to live in it, not to rent it out. Uh, for short term that obviously it's a huge student rental market. So that's, they, they haven't messed around with that. Uh, but surprisingly we have found that. So, you know, the, the first thing you might think is, okay, well, Ithaca really democratic town. Uh, it has a bias against that sort of stuff. So, you know, but what about the rest of the area? Cause the rest of the area is pretty Republican. Well, turns out that, some very Republican towns also have turned against Airbnb, like Watkins Glen is one where they have Mm. a huge, uh, you know, there's a big uh, NASCAR, um, you know, community. community, Mm. There's a racetrack there. There's a a very famous, you know, road race through the streets of of Watkins Glen. Mm. uh, And uh, it happens every year. That Watkins Glen has turned against, short-term rentals as well. And Geneva, New York, which is another college town, but, it, but it's a um, Republican town, uh, has also, je- literally, we went to look at a house in Geneva. And when we got there, the, the broker told us that two days before the town had passed an ordinance, basically making it impossible uh, to rent your, mm. your house short-term unless you live there. So we, we would have to declare Geneva to be our permanent residence and, and live there seven months of the year in order oh, wow. to rent to rent short term. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see how that's playing out too. So, you know, we wound up, the, I'm going to look at a house tonight, which is in a very rural area, which is great for us. It's kind of what we want. Unfortunately, no, uh, you know, no uh, restrictions on Airbnbs. And uh, also, at least for New York, very low property taxes, because uh, it's in an it's agricultural. So yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully the house will, will turn out uh, to be a good one when we get it. But Very it's, cool. been, so, it's been quite an adventure. Yeah. So you're experiencing what we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, six or eight weeks where people want space and they want exactly. it now. And they're going, you know, you're, you're looking at it as a second home, legitimately a second home. Yeah. There are people, it sounds like they're just like, no, we're going to switch primaries or maybe they were renters in downtown. Now they're owners yeah. in Ithaca. And the, what, the reason I wanted to bring this up was not to talk about myself, but because we've been talking about this for such a long time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and now I've seen it firsthand and I've seen it from the buyer side, not from the investor side. Right. right. So, uh, cause you know, you and I have been talking about this from the investor point of view, like, Hey, this is a good time to be buying single family rentals because yeah. people want to move out to uh, you know to the suburbs or move out further than that move out to small towns 
and and lo and behold, here it is happening in a place that's you know, I mean, I'm really surprised to be honest. It's happening up here because this is pretty far from any real major population center. You know, I guess I mean Syracuse. I guess there is about there are about a million people in the Syracuse MSA, and mm. Ithaca is about an hour from there. But you know, once you get outside of Syracuse. It's, yeah. you know, the downtown is very small. It's not like, it's not like a megalopolis like New York City. I mean, right. you can, you know, it's very, you're, you're out of downtown Syracuse very fast and, and into suburbs where people have more space and then drive 10 minutes further and you're out into <laughs> like farmland. So right. I don't think it's a lot of people coming from Syracuse, frankly. No, it's, I think it's people it, coming it's from downtown. New York City, coming yeah. from Philadelphia. Uh, and maybe there's some other places I'm overlooking where they might be coming from. And if they're figuring they can work from home anyway, uh, then they're just going to be in Ithaca where the schools are good and hopefully they won't get quarantined. And, um, you know. Yeah, I think, I we'll really do. I happens. think there's, I think there's two things that is going to push, that's going to help many suburbs. It won't help help all suburb, suburbs, but it will help ones with good schools. A, space is good, right? You don't want to live vertical. You don't want to live on top of your neighbor, i.e. New York and Philadelphia. Um, but also, it again, I, I'm a firm believer and we are going to see a spike in ownership. People were renting in New York, where I just saw this morning an average two-bedroom Manhattan is forty-two hundred bucks. You can buy a lot of house in Ithaca on a mortgage payment of yeah. less than forty-two hundred bucks. Oh so, yeah! Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. So I think there's. I think. I think net. You know, I, I think this is the opposite of the Great Depression. The Great Depression was leave the farms, go to the cities. This is leave the cities. You know, not necessarily go to the farms, but at least go to the suburbs. Yeah. It's happening in towns all around. Yeah, I, I so, so, I mean, I, this, it's very interesting what's happening. I, I, I think the, the real question is how, how, how long does it go on? Like, how deep is the trend, yeah. right? Because is it changing, right? Yeah. Is it changing yeah, because, the consumer? Yep. Yeah, because is it, is it the kind of thing where, like, if we get a vaccine, it'll just stop in its tracks or is it the kind, is, is it like, is there some kind of a permanent change it, it, it's, that's overcome people in terms of where they want to live or, or like, or are we, you know, along those same lines you know, we had, so the, the millennial, not the millennial, really starting with Gen X, right. Yep. People started moving back to the cities, mm-hmm. right. They, we all grew up in the suburbs. Yep. A lot of us, myself included, like had a lot of, issues with living in the suburbs it just you know just didn't like it yeah. and wanted urban lifestyle that was more fun and you know easier to meet people and stuff like that uh and i think a lot of people of of our generation and millennials too felt like well why would i go back to the suburbs i like even if i have kids i still city you know yeah. i want to raise my kids in the city and have them experience this and instead of living in the suburbs. But I think that this, what's going on now with COVID, may have changed some people's minds about that, where they had been committed to either not going back to the suburbs or holding out as long as they possibly could before they went. Uh, and now they're like, what the heck am I paying all this rent for? You know, especially if all, this, all the reasons I'm in the city, I can't take mm-hmm. advantage of now, right? right? I can't go to the museums. I can't go to Broadway. I can't go to the restaurants I want to go to. Yeah. Why am I here? And the only place to go is the park. And every, every other one of the 8 million people in New York City is also in the park right now. 
So, cause they have also have no place to go. Uh, so why, why am I here? Wouldn't it be nice to have a backyard and be able to, you know, as long as I can't go to a restaurant, if I could like barbecue in my backyard, yeah. that'd, that'd be happy and make me happy. So let's go find a backyard. So I, I think it may have, it may have changed people who are in that space right now, right? Who, who have children and, and who. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's meaningful. We can argue percentages. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a stat again, everything is stats these days. 30% of supposedly the workers out there that are employed can work from home forever, right? They're in a job right. where if they have zoom and they have access to tools, they can work from home. So whatever that 30% is, um, people are realizing that, Hey, if they got to somehow, you know, educate their kids, they gotta, they gotta have a gym, right. Of their own stuff. Cause the gym's closed in the, yep. in the, in the right. associations. You need to have a place in the backyard and a front yard. And for the, Oh, it's, I think this is going to change. I mean, this could flip tomorrow if we had a vaccine and everybody was cured, but if this goes through the fall and the fall is even half as bad as they say it's going to be, this will have changed consumer behavior. And that really leads to something that I had an epiphany on over the weekend that I wanted to share with you. I first shared with Anna and I got a lot of comments going, mm. talk to Jonathan. So let me kind of play this out for you. So okay. I'm seeing again in my market where I live called the Bay Area, um, pe- tech workers are moving. Uh, and a fair amount of them are actually going to Fresno, right? Fresno is, is a two and a half hour drive, so not four. But the quality of life is just fundamentally different. You can buy, I mean, I'm in a condo that's 1.6. I can buy the most gorgeous 4,000 square foot house for 1.2 just to give you a, a cost comparison, right? So you get yeah. a lot more. And it's an easy drive. It's two and a half hours, it's three freeways. So if you have to come to the office twice a month, no big deal. But what I'm seeing is housing is up. Housing is one month supply in Fresno. I think we've shared that. Um, I'm getting, I've interviewed three different brokers over the last seven days and, and offers are going 10, 15% above for clean stuff, just like you talked about, right? Move yeah. in ready, all that stuff. So yeah. what I'm sensing is, Fresno is going to go up in value, probably double digits for the next 18 months. Houses, because it's just cheaper. No. I mean, the average is yeah. now it's 330, right? Just for, for, and then in San Francisco, it's 1.2, but the Bay Area is 1.3. So it's just a different ballgame. And they're going to become renters and go owners. But then I'm like, man, if Fresno goes from a million people to like 1.3 over the next yeah. year or two, what happens to the infrastructure? Because there's not enough housing. When does owning multifamily become a good thing in Fresno? Because it's a metro that grows because of the pandemic. I'm like, shoot. Right. Maybe I should be going to buy more apartments because they built some, but they're building them, you know, North Fresno, which is like the high end stuff. Nothing is affordable. So I'm actually having a, I'm having second thoughts about multifamily in my market. I still think multifamily in San Francisco is terrible. But I'm going, you know what? If you find a market that's going to grow 30%, that doesn't have the infrastructure, that doesn't have the units, it'll take them two years to build anything. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going back on my idea on multifamily in that kind of sub-market. Yeah. I mean, listen, so we had a discussion in my uh, private coaching group last night Mm. about being flexible and being, uh, ready to take advantage of new trends that emerge. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and so, yeah, if you and I talking about multifamily in Fresno, you know, two, three months ago might've felt, well, given the cap rates that yeah. are 
that are there now, it's, it's probably overpriced and, you know, I'm not going to see enough rent growth mm -hmm. to, to really make this an interesting investment going forward. But the calculation may have changed right maybe. now because maybe, so maybe you might be able to say, Hey, look, it's worth to me paying a, a low cap rate on current rents in Fresno because I reasonably believe that I'm going to have substantial rent growth over the next two years. That's going to grow me into a cap rate that mm -hmm. is attractive to me without doing anything that like, that's the most attractive part just by because of demand, demand forces, not yeah. because you, no you capital improvements. It. No, nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that, that is kind of like a dream situation where you can just get the rent growth from market forces from increased demand mm -hmm. and not from having to improve the apartments at all. And, and then look, if you find some value add opportunities, then your, your, your opportunity could be even greater. So, um, so yeah, so I think this is this, you know, I, like it's funny because we were having the opposite conversation in my group last night, like, Hey, this is a multifamily group, but look, I'm seeing opportunities in places like Ithaca to, to, to maybe flip homes. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, you know, if you live in a suburb someplace, you may be seeing opportunities to make money in single family rentals. If that's, and, and who knows how long this is going to go on. You know what I, the thing that I was advising last night, uh, and I'll give this advice to everybody is if you see a trend happening, don't make the mistake of saying this is going to go on forever yes. because that, because it probably won't. And that's how people get, get out over their skis and they start making bad mistakes and, and losing, you know, losing money. But if you can say, Hey, look, I think this is going to go on for two, three years like this. Yeah. And I have a strategy where I can get in and get out in the, in that time frame. then yeah, you should go for it. Um, you know, because that, that's that's opportunity and that's what investors do investors go after they 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 sense the opportunity and mm -hmm. they they take advantage of it so we were talking last night about the fact that hey look this is a multifamily investment group we're multifamily investors but let's not be so rigid in thinking yeah. all we can do is multifamily if multifamily is not the most attractive thing to do right now and there, there's going to come a time again where it will or maybe in a market like you're talking about maybe that is a great place to be thinking about multifamily if you, if you really can get a, a good handle on the numbers of people moving there and, and how that's going to affect rents, yeah. you know, or if you see rent starting to climb, then you say to yourself like, Hey, I'd like to get in on this before other people notice what's going on. Cause that, that'll push the price up. You know, the, that, that future anticipate the, the time you have to be good on the timing on this too, because oh, for sure. what happened is the market will price in that future anticipated rent mm -hmm. to the point where now all the advantage is gone and you're going to be really overpaying for the current. Like mm -hmm. what'll happen is you'll be down to like, you know, a four cap on property now in order to get to a six cap in two years. Right. Whereas you'd rather be paying a six cap now to get to an eight in two years. Correct. Right. So the market will price that in if, if you, if you let it. So the, the key is to try to, spot those opportunities early in, yeah. in, in the process and jump on them. Yeah. And the, the real thing that this came to me, and again, I'll, I gave credit when this, when I changed my mind was a guy named David Portnoy from Barstool, Barstool Sports. Have you heard of him? Anyways, he's basically I, saying, heard him, yeah. he basically says Warren Buffett's an idiot. All these CNBC guys don't know what they're talking about. Stocks only go up. And basically his whole point of being a wise ass is nobody's ever invested in a pandemic before. It's a different game. All the rules that we've been 
we've learned for 20 years, right? I have 20 years of experience in Fresno. I was confident in my decisions in 2019. I made the right call, but I never invested in a pandemic before. I've never seen potential population change in Fresno so drastically. I think it, you know, usually Fresno grows around 2% a year, plus or minus 2%. If what I'm seeing now and they grow 5%, that, that's already because they're not building anything, right? They're, it's the, the, home, the home units are so small. I think, I think housing is going to go from 300, 330 to 430, 450. And then at some point, the locals are priced out and then they have to, you know, they rent. And, right. and if it goes from a million people to one three, owning, you know, 1980s, 1970s rental units, not going to be, I won't even have to update them. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just wanting to play this out with you. Cause again, if you can get in front of that trend and it grows by 30% of population in call it two years, I think you have something. So I just wanted to ask. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, no, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense as a theory. Like yeah, you, have theory. To dig, you have to dig into the numbers and see if it's really, yeah. you know, not just like a good idea, but that's really happening. But I mean, I think there's something happening and, yeah. uh, and it, why not try to get out ahead of it? I mean, I think, you know, similarly too, like just, I mean, we, we know that people have been moving from California to, you know, say Nevada for, mm-hmm. for quite some time, right? Sure. And th- this can only accelerate that trend as well. So, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical on, I, I know there are like big Las Vegas investor fans yeah. out there. I'm skeptical of Las Vegas because I think that the pandemic really, uh, until the pandemic plays out and, we, and we've seen how far it drops, yeah. then it might be good to rush in and buy something. But I think, unfortunately for Las, Las Vegas, the pandemic really hits like really hard in its core oh, industry, right? Without, so, without a doubt. But other, but other places in Nevada, right, that are less dependent on gambling, yeah. uh, d- you know, could really benefit from this trend. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it, it, who knows? Even in, you know, there might be certain neighborhoods in Las Vegas where, the work from home people want to move to, uh, so yeah. you know, from California. So, but but if if you're local, you can figure that out, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not telling everybody they should rush to Las Vegas, but because that that's going to be a really granular thing, and I think requires some specialized knowledge. But uh, but that could be something to get ahead of, right? Yeah, so, I've, I've um, actually interviewed uh, Brian Lebo, who's been a broker in Vegas for 25 years or so. First off, Vegas broke the 2006 peak what is it in June 325 and then it broke it again in July 328 which makes no sense huh. to me no sense huh. crazy so yeah i think vegas is a bunch of pain you got to be local um i mean they have 20 like 22% unemployment and it's getting worse i mean yeah vegas yeah. is in pain but hey uh i want to make sure we talk about this mini course you have coming up cuz i saw a little tease oh. of it somewhere uh, online. I wanted, I wanted to make sure I talked about it, figure out what it is. Cause I, I like everything that you do. So, well, thank you, Michael. Um, I appreciate that. So this, uh, this I'm putting, I put together, I'm in the process of, I've actually built it, but now I'm just getting all the tech together, <laughs> but I put together a, uh, a, a mini course just specifically on how you find how you get brokers to give you good deals when you're when you're starting out like i know that this is one of the real sticking points for people and you know sometimes people just can't like to say hey i'm going to teach you everything about multifamily 
they're they're like ah, a little overwhelmed because right. like they they're not there yet. They need a starting point. So I thought, okay, what is the best place? You know, what is a real sticking point for people just to help them get get started and get over the hump? And it's really you know getting off a loop net and getting to talk to brokers and getting good deals from them, not getting the brush off or not getting the you know not getting them to send you the crappy deals that you know that nobody else will buy and hoping yeah. that you'll bite because you don't know what you're doing. I, I wanted to help people get past that point. And nice. so I put together a, a mini course called I don't you know I, I should have the, these things off the top of my head but I don't but it is about how to get backroom backroom deals. You want to get the backroom deals from brokers, this is the backroom deal course. And it's nice. uh, it's eight uh, eight modules, uh, sorry, one eight videos goes through the whole process of exactly what you need to do. What you'll find out if you if you um, take the mini course is that it is exactly the opposite of what most gurus tell you to do. Most gurus tell you get on LoopNet, find some brokers, call them up, get a meeting. It doesn't. <laughs> all right. Uh, there's a there's a process which I discovered through trial and error, uh, and it works really well. When I and I re, I, re, I reverse engineered it once I got it working and figured out what I had done right. And uh, it's, it, there's, a, there's a process to it, but it, it's quite simple if you know what it is. So I'm offering this mini course uh, and it's gonna be very, very inexpensive when, it is, when it's available in the next probably two weeks. And if you'd like to know more, uh, the best thing to do is either join my Facebook group, the Multifamily Investment Community, where it'll be announced, uh, or join my email list at multifamilylaunchpad.org and you'll get all the information. So if this interests you, just join one of those two groups and you'll find out all you need to know. Again, folks, I recommend taking a look at it. If you have interest in multifamily, you've got to be able to network with brokers. And I suggest following Jonathan's guidelines instead of the silly people that say, look up on LoopNet, find an, find an agent, call them, take them a coffee. That's, that's not how to do it. Yeah, and frankly, even if, you, if you're interested in any kind of real estate, this yeah, is going to help you. Yeah, this, will, this is not just for, even though I, I focus on multifamily myself, you know, this will help you with any broker. And frankly, this will help you in business in general. Like if you want to meet somebody in, in business, you can take what's in this mini course and kind of apply it to pretty much anything else you want to do where it comes to getting on somebody's radar, getting them to talk to you. So very cool. I think it'll be helpful. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Jonathan, uh, good luck tonight. Sounds like you're going to go check out some property. So I'll, I'll reach out to you via text or something and see how that went. Should be yep. exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've already uh, previewed it. We had the agent go and do a, like take some pictures and video for us. And she said she thought it was a good property. So I'll go check it out, check it out with my own eyes and then see what happens. Very cool, man. Well, take care of yourself. Good luck. Thanks. See All you right. soon. Yep.